0: I got one thing to say. This is when the big dogs come out. Okay, all right. The big dogs, stay on the board. It's
1: time. Live. Let's rock this place. Let's have some fun. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show.
0: We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis,
1: prognosis,
0: osmosis.
1: Say what? It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor
2: is now in. Glad to have you with us on a Wednesday. That's where we're at, right? A Wednesday, proverbial hump day. Glad to have you with us as we're doing it for you. T.C. Martin Show, wherever you may be, streaming live, tcmartinshow.com. Today, a lot of college football to talk about. Picking up right where we left off yesterday, we will hear from our 16-time Emmy Award winner from ESPN, Trevor Maddich. Give us his thoughts about the latest in college football, and there is plenty of news going on today with that. Chris Landry will also join us from LandryFootball.com. Chris, of course, uh, one of the most foremost guys with the... College sports, the scouting scene, and of course, former NFL executive and coach himself. He will join us today, get his thoughts from a player's perspective on what it's like being a player right now. If you are in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten Conference, knowing that you possibly could have played your last college football game and what is your future as a college football player looking at potentially playing in the NFL and with the draft coming in April, not knowing if you're going to be playing in the fall, you're going to be playing in the spring. So a lot of big decisions here. So yeah, heavy football, heavy college football today on the program. All right, the quake is in the house. Speaking of heavy, yeah,
1: Earthquake winding up.
2: I love that. What do they call it, these self-deprecation? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's,
3: that's that. you're great at that. I haven't, uh, I haven't done that in a while. I had to stretch out for that one. There you go. Yeah.
2: Okay, good man. Still undefeated, coming off the top rope, the quake, making it happen here today. So I know, and we're going to get into a lot of college football talk here today, a lot of opinion sure. and a lot of latest news, but I know how passionate you are about the NHL, the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs, oh, yeah. and we talked about it yesterday. The Golden Knights started their playoff series against the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, Stevie Slapshot did leave me astray a little bit. So I mean, if he and I know he's listening right now too, right. but but that's okay. I'm not going to hold it against him. He thought the Blackhawks were a live dog yesterday. Yeah. At about plus one seventy or so. Okay. Golden Knights were a minus two hundred favorite to win the series. Minus two hundred in the game last night, and I think Slapshot just heard his name, and I think he's he, he's he's retracing his steps. defend he might, his honor, but no, you know he said that the Blackhawks were live, but they weren't live last night. They weren't live. They got they got drilled four to one, and it was all about sure. the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights have propelled propelled themselves into the number one overall seed, and they looked like it last night. They've been playing some great hockey. They got everybody back. Patcharetti was back. Uh uh Robin Leonard. Faced his old team last night in the Blackhawks after that trade months sure. and months ago. Lost N- his
3: skate twice. He did. Yeah. i got to like delay a game because he lost his skate twice. I haven't seen that in a long time where the right? blade came off. Right? Yeah, twice.
2: I know. So he had 19 saves yes. against his former team.
3: He didn't work a lot. 19 saves, That that's not a lot of work.
2: So it's funny you say that because I was, I was going back and forth with watching baseball last night yeah. and, and the Golden Knights. And I saw that and I'm going like, oh, did, did he not get the start last night? Oh, no, he did. Oh, you know, must have got the start. No, yeah. but I said no. Nineteen saves. I mean, come
3: on, that's that, that's like maybe a, a period and a half. Yeah, not an entire game. I I've said, Stevie definitely knows so much more about hockey than I do. So I'm I may be speaking out of of turn here, but I believe the Knights now. I think not eight out of nine or nine out of ten meetings with the Blackhawks since Vegas has been playing. We've they've only beat us once. We've had their number. However, I would never rule out Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Tays, yep. and and that team. There, they if if Crawford shows up and those top lines of, of Chicago are buzzing, look out because I mean Patrick Kane's still one of the top players in the league. So um, I would never say never, but I would never take the. Uh, I personally would not take them as an underdog against the Knights. No way.
2: I figured they could win a game in this series in this best of seven series, maybe two games. Sure, but I know a lot of people thought, including Slapshot, that hey, the Blackhawks are hot. Yeah, I mean they came in here, no one really gave them much of a shot whatsoever, and they played exceptionally well during this qualifying round. I mean they shut
3: they shut down Edmonton, they shut down the best player Hmm. in the NHL and probably arguably the two best players if you count. uh, the German guy, who's uh, who's uh, uh it's it's well, McDavid and yeah. I've, uh, Any, Dreisaitl, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah,
2: exactly. Anytime you got Connor McDavid, I mean, give me a. But yeah, as Numbchuck will tell us, it's only one game. It's only one game. It's only one game. For so those Chicago Blackhawk fans out there, don't despair. Yeah. I mean, it could flip just like that, and they could, you know, go on a scoring rampage because they scored a whole bunch of goals against Edmonton sure. to to get to this series with the Golden Knights. But
3: I think but, if we trounce them, I think if we really pounce on them on the net tomorrow, I think maybe Game Three might go there. What do you way. mean,
2: we? You don't, you don't play I for know, the team? I shouldn't say you that. You shouldn't That's say so we. You're in the media. You're know. in the media.
3: You're on a we. Are you wearing the I'm jersey? A fan you can't even get a, a jersey your size. They, they make them my size. They, get out of here. Yeah, I got my uh, Montreal Canadiens jersey ordered. <laughs> Five X, five X, five X. Is that we're on five X right
2: now? Yeah, we're at five X. Oh, good for you. Man.
3: yeah it went from six X to five X. You did, so, yeah. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, the, you're uh, moving down division after division. Yeah, moving up a division. Yeah. I like to consider it up a division. Well, go up, up down, for you, but up, you're
2: going yeah. down. I'm thinking of the boxing yeah. realm. Okay, so you're, you're in these super 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 heavyweight. Yeah. Now you're down to these super super super. Super heavyweight, yeah, and maybe you can heavy. get down to just super heavyweight here. That'd be pretty, pretty
3: great. I would love that. Uh, my Montreal Canadiens, my uh, habitants. They uh, they play tonight at five. The Habs, the exactly. Habs, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. They're playing. Uh, they're playing Philly, the number one.
2: You the, must. You must have a job interview team. today because you're not wearing your Habs jersey today. You, you look like a respectable uh, civilian.
3: No job interview today. Just uh, <laughs> put on a polo shirt today. Just showed up that way. Yeah,
2: I'd love I, to see you on a horse. To play polo, that would ne- be fantastic.
3: Never played uh, polo, and I can't remember the last time I rode a horse.
2: <laughs> Back to the Golden Knights, four-one yeah. victory last night, and as you put a, uh, pointed out, Quake, they shut down Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays, and Duncan Keith. Those three guys, that big trio for the Blackhawks, only had five shots on
3: goal. Oh,
2: that's it,
3: five shots on goal. Didn't know that. So I know it was bad. Uh, Again, and the other thing too is like Pacioretty was a little discombobulated oh, that sure. first that first period. I thought he was off a bit. I thought the whole team was off that first period. Well,
2: he hasn't played in months. Yeah, in he months, said this is
3: his first game in five months. Yeah. So uh, look out, man. If Pacioretty once he gets his sea legs. Uh I, man, this team's—they're buzzing right now. I'm yeah. loving watching their 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 gameplay.
2: Riley Smith scored twice in the third period. Shea Theodore and Will Carrier scored 217 apart in the second period. Yeah. And it was basically done. It yep. was done after that time. After they scored those two quick goals, I thought it was done. Even though the Blackhawks got their goal shorthanded, make it 2-1. Yeah. Okay, we got a ball game here. But then no, that that did that didn't happen. So. There you have it, man. All right, Golden Knights. Uh, I know that you are excited, but you went on Twitter. Weren't you blasting
3: the play-by-play guys? No, I was blasting hockey commentators on Twitter in general. So here's okay, my so beef. You're,
2: okay, so you're blasting out the Twitter. Yeah,
3: people. here's my beef. Oh, beautiful. I follow. I follow all kinds of hockey commentators. All of them, right? Uh, what I'm no- What I notice is one guy will make an observation. And and I I'm gonna do some research on this. I'm gonna find out. Ver- I'm gonna find out the origin of the observation. And watch how it just snowballs, and by the by, within 10 minutes, 30 guys on Twitter all have the same observation about Riley Smith or about, you know, how Leonard's playing. And it's just so funny that none of these guys have, like, an original thought about it. Uh, I will give an exception to our Mr. VGK Frank, Frank, is it Frank Harnish? Yes. Yeah, fantastic observations on games. I love following him. He's a good follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, but a lot of these guys, it's the same song from all 10 of them, and they're just... They hear one guy make an observation, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna put," and then they tweet it out, and it's just it. I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta start thinning the herd here. I gotta find out who uh, patient zero is, who the first guy to come up with these great astute observations of the game is, and just follow him or her, and uh, and just get their take because it's just obnoxious. My whole Twitter, it's literally last night, Riley Smith was having a great game. One guy puts out, Riley Smith. Uh, has been great all season. He's still great now. And then, within seconds, it's that same observation by the next ten or fifteen guys. And I know they do it in football, and they do it with all the sports. You see it, and but it's just it's it's clogging up my Twitter.
2: Quick, that's why they call it social media. I know. Because all, all these guys are are socialites. Yeah. Everyone wants to have their own form. They think they have their own form and they want to spew out a bunch of nonsense.
3: It gets in the way. It does get I in just, the way. I just want to see dog videos from Rex Chapman. I don't need I don't need uh I don't need to see the same ten guys telling me about how great Riley Smith is playing.
2: Yes. It's I agree. Obnoxious. I know, I agree. That's why you have to take social media. In small doses. You, yeah. re- you really do. More you can't porn be stars. Con- you can't be consumed with that. Well, there you go. Now that's another story.
3: I got to follow more porn stars. You do.
2: And I th- I thought that's all you followed, pretty much.
3: Uh, I, apparently not enough. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, th-
2: I think I want you to unfollow me all of a sudden because if I'm because if i in that realm with you, that could be a good thing as well, too.
3: We should just compare Twitter's. Yeah. Uh, Twitter follows I, one day. Who
2: fo- Who has more porn stars they're following? You or numchuck. We're the believer. That are
3: following me or are following? Well, you know, I... if we're talking about following me, uh, if I may, uh, if I may, uh, oh, cheap uh, plug coming. i let got to I don't it. toot my own horn. Right. Uh, Pat Miss, on the back, Miss Tabitha Stevens, for uh, a former superstar. Who does she porn. play
2: for? I never heard of her. No,
3: she follows me. Okay, I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but I know I, if we're talking about who's following more porn stars, it's Justin Numbchuck. There's no doubt. A hundred percent. He's got me by probably tenfold. Which is why I'm saying I got to up my game.
2: You got to up your game.
3: Yeah. See, less hockey conversation and more. What does your
2: wife think about this? I know she's at home, uh, you know, hanging out with you and watching games and that sort of thing. Is she doing what you're doing on social media or watching what you're
3: doing on social media? Like following porn stars? Yes. She follows a few. She's got some <laughs> favorites. She's, 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 she doesn't mind. Okay. Yeah. Right. Listen, as, as long as it's just looking, looking never hurt anybody. You guys, swingers. No, of course not. <laughs> you go in the Ray Donovan role? No. <laughs> we've got a Ray Donovan episode I gotta, here. i got to watch that show. Yeah, Oh, it's
2: great. <laughs> it's great. I think it was season two where that was going on with the, uh, the executive director of the FBI. Oh. He was swinging.
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
2: No, we've not. Led to the suicide of his uh, assistant.
3: Unfortunately, uh, not gone down that rabbit yeah. hole yet. Go
2: back. Watch uh, end of season two there, Ray Donovan.
3: I think if we swung, I think the problem would be me. <laughs> I, I think my wife would have no problem, uh, you know, getting the attention of, of a couple. It's I'm the problem.
2: You're the problem. Yeah. So I. Are you I'm, you're feeling you're not attractive enough for I somebody else? I don't think
3: I don't think we're getting in the front door. <laughs> honestly, I just don't think it's happening.
2: You know, you could give yourself plenty of sound effects there too. I know. I'm trying yeah. to think of some things yeah, to yeah, put. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, people were expecting to hear some college football in this segment, oh, we're talking and about where they get, they went from hockey to you and porn stars yeah. to swinging. There it is. Yeah. Follow the earthquake and his swinging adventures. Weeknights at 11.
3: I did update my Twitter. I put you know, my name, and then I also put AKA the earthquake. Yes.
2: And I know you're happy, too. That <laughs> I shouldn't say this. But, but the mutual
3: friend that we have in the business has moved away. Oh, yes. He's moved and away. Who you had a Twitter war with? And did exactly what I told you he would do, yes. which is he became a, a big fanboy of his new city that he's living you in. You called it. I Babe Ruth did. Be- <laughs> I watch how these guys are. I'm happy for him, though. Yeah. It's a much better Got a new job and a new market.
2: Yeah, of course. And, and, and
3: you called it. And you got to own your market when you're there. Yeah. You got you to gotta go all in and you got to cheer for your teams, no matter how much the, the Golden Knights fans hate that team that he's cheering for.
2: Oh, my goodness. All right. All right, we will get to some college football. Trevor Maddich is going to join us here in a couple of minutes. Chris Landry coming your way soon as well, too. Okay, yesterday, college football, the season was on the brink. The Big Ten made it official yesterday, and we talked about it, postponing the football season, and will attempt to play in the spring. Those are the key words, attempt to play in the spring. The Pac-12 followed suit. The Mountain West Conference did as well. And as we know, on Saturday, the Mid-American Conference did it. Today, ladies and gentlemen, the tide has turned. That's right. The tide has turned. Yesterday, it was doom and gloom. We were just distraught about not having college football. We said, what's going to happen? And we said, well, let's hang out. No, Was this going to be a domino effect? Was it going to transpire that way? And lo and behold, what happened is what I was hoping that would happen. That the SEC would come back and say, you know what, fellas? No, we're going to play. Well, guess what happened this morning? The SEC reaffirmed it's going forward with playing football and you know what happened after that the acc said we're on board we're playing and then a few hours ago the big 12 says guess what fellas we're playing football hallelujah praise the football gods that we could be having a fall football season And then the American Conference, widely considered the top group of five conferences, said, hey, we're in. The Sun Belt, a little lesser degree, they said, we're in. The Independents came forward. Trevor Madge's alma mater. Rise and shout. BYU says, we're playing football. Army said, the Cadets are in. Liberty. New Mexico State. They've got four games on the schedule. They said we're going to have some football. So today, I feel good. I feel much better than I did yesterday when the doom and gloom of the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And yes, I ripped them a little bit today, yesterday, and I'm going to rip them again today. Because you know what this news is? This is bad news for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. The last thing that they wanted... Those presidents, and as those conference commissioners wanted, was to hear the other Power 5 conferences were going forward to play football. They wanted these guys to jump on their bandwagon. Now we go back to the Big Ten timeline. We talked about this yesterday. July 9th, the Big Ten announces it'll play a conference-only schedule for all fall sports. August the 5th, they released a revised 10-game conference schedule for football. And then what happens last Sunday? The conference presidents meet, they discuss fall sports, and then yesterday... They decide to postpone fall football and will attempt to play in the spring. There is no guarantee that spring football is going to happen. It's just more procrastinating, in my opinion. That's all it is. And again, we'll we'll touch on this from the player side, the coach's side. And today, with this news, this opens the door for rogue moves by college football teams like Nebraska. We heard what Scott Frost had to say. We heard what their athletic director had to say say, we want to play football. If we have to go outside of the Big Ten, we're going to do that. We heard the Nebraska governor say, we want to play football. We heard Jim Harbaugh. Talk about the 353 consecutive negative tests that they've had. He said they have constructed an environment that is conducive to playing. They want to play football. Penn State, James Franklin said the exact same thing. Traditional programs like Wisconsin and maybe Iowa, they could follow suit and elect to play here. What a disaster this would be for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I think more of a disaster for the Big Ten because the Pac-12, let's be honest, I don't think they're that in tune to playing college football. I mean, who's the power there? Oregon? I'm sure Oregon wants to play. They could be in the conversation of a college football playoff. Even though the Big Ten and the Pac-12, neither one of them, have won a playoff game since 2014-2015 season. Okay? As my good friend Trevor Madich has pointed out today on Twitter. All right? Head coach Ryan Day at Ohio State says, well, he wants to start in January. Okay, we got to play in the spring. Yeah, he wants to end the season before the draft in April. All right, so I know what people are saying. They can say, but wait a minute, the Big Ten said they're going to play in the spring. Okay, here's what they said. They said, we will attempt to play in the spring. That's not encouraging words if you're a senior or you're a top-level junior playing in the Big Ten or the Pac-12, okay, that you hope to have an NFL career. There's no guarantee there's going to be spring football, you got to play now, all right? And again, the message here is look what's happening around you. Look what's happening in the NBA, playing without any COVID repercussions. The WNBA, I understand they're in bubbles. The MLS, they're playing. The NHL, we're in playoff mode right now. We're playing. We're not hearing really any too much talk about COVID right now. Major League Baseball, yes. They had a couple of numbskulls over in Miami, okay? The Marlins and the Cardinals, okay? Phillies, but basically the 27 other teams, they're playing. And more importantly, the NFL. Roger Goodell says we're going forward, we're playing. The SEC is saying we're going forward, we're playing. The ACC is saying the same thing, and today the Big 12 is saying the same thing. So the frustration level here is that we don't have this uniformity. Okay, No one is all in line, and we don't have a directive from 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 the heads of college football. Every conference is making their own decision. That's where the frustration lies. All right, I said my piece. Trevor Maddich is going to join us now. I know he's been making the rounds, television, radio today. And, again, appreciate our good
0: friend for joining us here today. Trevor, do we have football in the fall? I think we will. I think we will, T.C. And, And how much football we have will depend on how disciplined the players and coaches and everybody around them, the equipment managers, the trainers, how disciplined they can be. But I think the experience of Major League Baseball to start with, of having the Marlins have half their team test positive in the first hours of the season, and then the Cardinals and some other teams have had problems, I think that's a cautionary tale. And now, in their own sport, that players in the Big 12, SEC and ACC, have seen the Big 10 and the Pac-12 push it to spring, and it may not play in spring. They're getting a lot of blowback on moving it to spring and exposing the players to having two football seasons in one calendar year. So that might not happen. I think that makes it more likely that the ones who might have the opportunity to play in the fall will do the right thing as much as possible. And keep in mind that they don't need to keep COVID 100% out of their locker room. What they need to do is make sure that if somebody tests positive, they immediately quarantine them and hope that, the lag in testing, the lag from the testing moment to the results moment isn't so much that that person had a chance to affect a bunch of people. We don't know if that will happen. And the season might get canceled anyway, you know, in the second or third week of October. We don't know. But I think that the cautionary tale of what happened in baseball and the fact that most baseball teams have not been affected and what happened in the Big 12, excuse me, Big 10 and the Pac-12 means that there will be uh, a doubling down of effort among those that are still playing. And so I think there'll be a chance for them to go forward and play until they can't. I believe it is they deserve to be, ha- to be given a little bit of faith that they can do it because it may be that they can do it. And we'll get a season where at least 70 or 80% of the teams will be able to start the season and finish the season and not have so much of an outbreak that they have to shut themselves down.
2: All right. Trevor Mads joining us from ESPN, college football analyst, and just uh, last weekend won his 16th Emmy Award. Join us here. No one is in tune to college football like Trevor is. Appreciate you joining us again today, my friend. The big news of the day, the SEC, ACC, Big 12 say they are in. They're playing fall football. Let me ask you this, my friend. Let's, let's try to get in the mindset here of these, of these conferences. Why are are those conferences much smarter than the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, and, and others that say they don't want to play? Is it because this is diehard football country because they see something that the others don't? Or is it that maybe the Big Ten, especially the Pac-12, say, eh, you know, we just it, maybe it's not that important to us?
0: No, I think it's important. I think that what they're seeing is, is different advice from their medical counselors. I see, I'm hearing nationally, a a massive cacophony of people saying that we need to believe in the doctors, listen to the doctors, let the science tell the story, let the doctors determine what's happening. I I get that. But it's being put out there in a religious fervor almost, as if that's a, a monolithic voice, the doctors. But it's not. There are credible medical professionals, credible doctors, who believe that we cannot play college football this, this fall. But others who are equally credible who believe that we can't play college football this fall under certain circumstances and with certain stipulations. So the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, the people that they listen to, that, that they trust, have told them they can't. Certainly in the Big Ten, they've been scared a bit by the diagnosis of of a heart disease that's associated with coronaviruses, the common cold sometimes, COVID-19 sometimes. But there have been about five uh, athletes in the Big Ten right now who have been diagnosed with this condition, and one of them, who is an offensive lineman at Indiana, his mother, has put a fairly harrowing uh, account of his experience with this disease on Facebook, and that has rightly scared a bunch of the decision-makers in the Big Ten. But on the flip side, in the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12, their doctors are telling them a different story, that there is risk, but the risk is actually very, very small. And when you compare that risk to other risks of playing football itself, those doctors say it's okay. So I'm not saying that the Big 12, or excuse me, the Pac 12 and the Big 10 were wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I think they're operating with the best interest of their student athletes in mind. But they're listening to the doctors they believe in, and That is why there's a difference. And that is also why, by the way, PC, that I don't think it's a good idea. That's one of the reasons why. I don't think it's a good idea for there to be one college football czar to enforce one set of standards for this all over college football because there's not a medical consensus. And also, you've got different states with differing protocols and standards associated with what happens with their state employees, with what happens with their non-state employees. Relative to this. So I think that depending on who you listen to, your opinion of it and your actions will change.
2: Just so difficult as we know, if we leave it up to the conferences or these states and these universities themselves to play or not to play, it just makes it impossible to have a playoff system, a national champion. But let me ask you, can we have a national champion in your opinion or a playoff format if only three of the Power Five conferences are playing in the fall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Of course we can. Okay. Of course we can. And if, if we do, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten will pitch a fit, and that's okay. You know, they'll have a champion among the teams that are playing, and if they've got three of the five Power Five conferences, plus Notre Dame and the ACC in this case, um, available, I think you can make a good case that it is a legitimate enough national championship, especially when, as you mentioned earlier, The Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big 12, by the way, have not won a single playoff game since the 2014-2015 season. That's when Ohio State won the national championship, the playoff championship over Oregon. Since then, they don't have a win. It's been all SEC teams and Clemson. That's it. So I think you can have that national championship. If they do
2: play, and we're talking about the SEC, ACC, Big 12, and a couple of the other smaller conferences, if they play in the fall, What is the incentive for the others to play in the spring, like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, especially if we've already
0: crowned a national champion? I want you to to turn around, open up that duffel bag that you have behind you filled with $100 bills. Yep, I do. How'd you know that? Exactly.
2: There's a a lot of M&Ms and some Tootsie Rolls in there as well, too, just so you know. Yeah,
0: how about that? Yeah, you get the $100 bills and I get the candy. (laughs) Uh, So that's That's what it is. It's also so that the players can play. I mean, players want to play. They love the game. And you're, you're having dreams that are, are stolen by this virus when teams don't play. Now, dreams stolen is better than lives stolen. And so, you know, the teams that play in the fall may prove that, that playing under certain conditions is okay and you're not going to be stealing lives. It may be that, that it's really dangerous and they never should have played at all. We're going to find that out. We don't know. But at the same time... I think that first and foremost, you know, the, the money is important to everybody and not just the, the universities. It's important to the parking attendants who make a good amount of money working part-time with those football games, the concession vendors, not just the people that work at the concession stands at the stadiums, but the people that supply the hot dogs and the popcorn and the soda pop to those folks. I mean, it's there, there's a lot of problems that happen if you don't play. You also look at the concept of we, – we've heard a lot about the NFL, right? Mm-hmm about how guys like Joe Burrow, if his season last year had been canceled, he would have been a late draft choice if drafted at all, and probably would have made it to the NFL. He's a good player, but it would have been a different experience for him. But also think about the guys at the very bottom of that. You make six figures. I mean, you make a lot of money as a practice squad player. And there are a lot of guys that play college football who come from a home where their mom has to choose every month between food and electricity. And if he can, her son, catch on to a practice squad, not even an active roster, catch on to a practice squad, it'll change the life of that family. It'll change the life and the experience of of that guy's younger brothers and sisters in their home. And these are the kinds of guys that if they play one extra year might have a chance to catch on to that practice squad, maybe even onto a roster. But some of them, if they don't prove what they can do that year, because it might be the only chance they have to show the NFL what they can do, they'll never make it onto that roster. So there are a lot of, of unknown lost opportunities and true tragedies in opportunity cost for not playing. And so I think we're looking at what are the potential costs of playing. We need to also understand that not playing, or there are also a lot of costs. And we don't want to put people at undue risk for other things for other factors but because there are so many doctors that say look it's not undue risk as long as you meet certain criteria those are some of the things that we're losing by turning it down
2: yeah. Trevor this seems if this happens this way where we've got the SEC the ACC the Big 12 and we've got meaningful college football games and that's all we need is is maybe two or three You know, solid football games every Saturday, and we're back to right where we were before, where we can hardly wait for that. And then we've got a a playoff and the bowls. You know, I don't know about we're going to have bowl system or or what the deal is going to be. But if we truly do have a playoff and a national champion is crowned in that first or second week of January, if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 say, "Okay, we're going to come here and play in the spring," this 100% feels like. The XFL or these offshoot spring leagues, how can anybody possibly get excited with that? And I don't see how those conferences could even go forward and how people would even be interested in that. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me to think that this could happen. Could we see these two conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 reverse field here and say, wait a minute, I mean, we're going to get stuck here uh, playing some meaningless college football. Uh, let, let's jump
0: back in the fray. I don't think they can now. I think they've established that they have said that you can't play and be healthy. And they were so certain that they didn't have to wait until the end of September, like the SEC is doing, to to see how practice goes, see how the NFL is doing. They said, nope, we know enough now. Bang. They would have to establish what changed, that they then decided to get back into fall football, and I just don't think that is that is a possibility for them to do. If it does work out that way, it'll feel really weird to have that spring football going on. And I really think that while there's no guarantee spring or fall will happen, I think it's more likely that we'll see a semblance of a season in the fall than we will see a semblance of the season in the spring. But if that happens, TC, then there are other ramifications. That would be like, now that meaning – if the SEC, Big Big 12, and ACC play in the fall, and then the Pac-12 and the Big 10 decide that their standards still have not been met in the spring, and so they don't play in the spring for whatever reason, then you've got the likes of players at Alabama and Clemson and Auburn and LSU getting in a year of practice and game experience while their rivals, for the same recruits, And for national championships like Ohio State and Michigan, et cetera, are sitting out and not getting that year of practice and game experience. That would be a crushing blow to the development of young players, and that would manifest itself over the course of the next several years. It would just be a huge thing. Now, we have a long way to go before that plays out, because once again, I want to be clear that we don't know if – football will happen we know that there are a bunch of teams that are going to go forward until they have to stop but if they don't have to stop then that scenario presents itself
2: there it is trevor match espn college football analyst joined us trevor last thing for you here nebraska very vocal uh they want to play football i think several teams in the big 10 want to play football the big 10 is coming out saying hey nebraska Chill out here. If, if if you if you want to play football, you're not going to be playing here in the Big Ten in the future. How about Nebraska to the Big Twelve? How big a deal is this? And could we see some rogue teams here in the Big Ten that say, "Hey, we want to play"?
0: You know, here's the fantasy of the day: Pac-12 and Big Ten teams that want to play, along with group of five teams. I mean, the Mountain West conference yep. is now postponed. The MAC has postponed. BYU was out there as an independent. They still want to play if they can. How about if we have the teams that want to play form a pop-up conference? And a BYU guy had a great idea to call that the general conference. If you're LDS, you get that one. That's actually pretty funny. (laughs) But how about they just play? They just play. and. You know, whether or not the, the playoff committee looks at that as legitimate or it doesn't really matter. They'll play, their guys will get a season in, they'll get the player development. Guys can get ready for the NFL if they want to do that. They'll get the TV money, and maybe they'll get all the TV money. You know, that would be interesting. But, you know, the Big Ten has uh, has had harsh words for Nebraska when they floated that idea. And now the governor of Nebraska is even involved with with being in favor of Nebraska figuring out a way to play football. At least he's in favor of the idea of playing football, if it's at all possible, if not in favor of going rogue from the Big Ten. But again, it's a hypothetical. Nebraska in the Big Ten doesn't make as much sense as Nebraska in the Big 12. Now Nebraska's rivals are to the east, Iowa, which is not a traditional rival of Nebraska, but now in, the, in their division, the Big Ten West, they, they, they are a rival. Recruiting goes out east because that's where they play their road games. Whereas traditionally, Nebraska will look south, and they'll look into Oklahoma and to Texas, and they'll play in those states, and so that helps recruiting there. In addition to that, what young people don't realize right now is that the annual game between Nebraska and Oklahoma used to be appointment viewing just like Michigan, Ohio State, yes, just like Alabama, Auburn. It was good against evil. Good was Nebraska with their coach Tom Osborne. Evil was Oklahoma with Barry Switzer and that crew. And that game was amazing. Well, that game isn't played anymore. And it would be awesome if it could. Now, I'm not saying that they should do that. We're just talking about, once again, hypotheticals because this conversation has been raised. But ultimately, I think Nebraska won't play they will just have established themselves for their players and recruits as being very passionate about wanting to play.
2: Right. And I'm all for it. I'm saying it. I I want to see Nebraska back in the Big 12. I didn't like it when they left. They left for the money. And again, yeah, they would take like a $50 million hit. But you know what? Talk about the traditional powers, the traditional rivalries that they had. It just makes sense, the proximity. No, I'm an old school guy. I want Nebraska back in the Big 12. That's where they belong. They should have stayed there. That's just me though, Trevor. There you go. (laughs) You
0: know, a lot of people agree with yeah all
2: right brother hey appreciate you taking the time i know you're crazy busy today again always love tapping into you there it is my man there he goes with the m&ms with the duffel bag we don't know what's in that duffel bag but he's got the white helmet with the blue y on it trevor Manich, the pride of provo utah and the byu cougar with his national championship ring rise and shout (laughs) Take care, my man. There it is. Quake is all over it. Quake is on that like a hobo and a hot dog, as I like to say. Very nice. You see, we all love these food and candy references, don't we? You got to love it. All right, Trevor Maddich. All right, we go from Trevor to Chris Landry, and we'll talk about from the player's perspective, organizational perspective, more college football news coming your way. T.C. Martin Show on a Wednesday. You're listening to
3: some bullshit on the T.C. Martin Show.
2: That's Liz Cambay. She's not playing right now. But the Aces are playing, and they were victorious again last night. Blowing out the Indiana Fever. Look out. Aces. Won five in a row. They're 6-2 and two now. So they are back at it again tomorrow night against the Minnesota Lynx. And we'll be checking in with our good friend uh, Bill Lambier and company in the Aces throughout this WNBA season. But right now we're talking a lot of college football. As you know, I want to thank Trevor Maddich from ESPN for joining us and getting his thoughts. Uh, the news of the day, obviously, again, talking about the ACC, the Big uh, 12, and the SEC saying we want to play uh, fall football and we are proceeding as always. So good news there for that. What does this mean for the Big 10 and the Pac-12? Wow. Just a a, a lot of controversy here. And right now we're going to bring in our good friend Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Chris does a fantastic job with some great content, obviously, at his website at LandryFootball.com. And again, great experience on the college side, the NFL side, the scouting combine. My man, Chris Landry. How you doing, buddy?
1: Doing good, TC. Uh, wish we had a better day yesterday in uh, Orla College football, but doing good otherwise. Hope everything is well.
2: Yeah, you know what? But you know, today, Chris, as we talked about a little bit earlier, today kind of the tide is turned. At least I'm feeling that way as the SEC reaffirmed it is going forward in playing along with the ACC and the Big Twelve, the American, widely considered the top Group of Five conference. They said they're going to play football, and then you know the Sun Belt uh, as well. Hopefully that you know everything goes on uh that path going forward and we could have some fall football. So when you hear this news today, and we know this has been a long college football roller coaster ride, I know especially for you, uh give me your thoughts when you hear the slightest
1: news today. Well, I I mean it was positive, but it's it's I, I'm not overly positive because it's today. And I think you said the key word hopefully. So you know, let, let's remind folks, and it's different, I know, but a week ago, the Big Ten was giving everybody their schedule for the season. And then a week later, you know, they announced they're canceling it. And I'm not saying the same thing's going to happen, but the reality is because the ACC, SEC, Big 12, et al., mm-hmm. a few others, as you mentioned, AAC and, and Sunday, a couple, hey, we're going to play, our plan is to play, does not, I mean, that, I take it at face value. Their plan is to play. Well, we are as of the 12th, but you know, what What's a week from now look like? Is it better? Is it worse Um, in terms of this pandemic? So I don't know. I, here's what I think. And it's a gut feeling because no one knows. I don't know. I just get the feeling that, um, the SEC in particular, but the others, the ACC, the big 12, it, it plays into their constituency to take this as far as they can. So, I mean, what I would do is what they're, what they're doing, not what the Big Ten and Pac-12 did. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, at some point you, you're going to have to say, we're we're good to go for the start of the, the regular season. Or we can't go start of the regular season. We're pushing it back. So instead of the 26th of September, we're middle of October. And then if you can't go middle of October, end of October, well, at some point you're going to run out of fall. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it, you won't have to announce anything. It'll be pretty obvious. People will say, well, it's kind of like, you know, you're waiting for somebody. Don't show up. You know, they're probably not coming, you know. So I, I think that's what they're doing. I, I, I think they did not. They wanted to do the opposite of the Big Ten, which is to come out right now and say no, because I think that's the problem that those fan bases of the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, are happening, uh, having right now is, why are you doing this? Well, it's a lot of political. These are decisions made up at the, at the state level, not the university level. And I think this is kind of how it's played out. My big frustration is that we don't have the leadership. I've said this for a long time with dealing with minor issues in college football. It's only magnified in an issue like this. We should should not have a conference saying, we're not playing. We're playing. We're not playing. We're playing. It should be, you know, the, the power five at least say, look, we're putting our heads together. We're coming up with a plan, and then we're going to make the decision. And maybe the answer is... Can't play in California. It's just it's too bad or whatever, you know, so maybe they can't. But try to make it more of a unified decision because now it's more of a gamesmanship, one-upsmanship. And that's clearly what the Big Ten is doing because the Big Ten was the first to announce a conference-only season. Now they are first to announce at the end of the season. And the Pac-12 is the little brother of the Big Ten. So you know they, they they were just looking for shelter. They they, they weren't going to play, and they've known that I think for a while. But they didn't want to come out and see it. They wanted to be in the shadows of while while people were throwing darts at the Big mm-hmm. Ten. The Pac twelve can announce forty minutes after they announce that yeah we're not playing either because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, we can see through that. I mean, it might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night.
2: <laughs> Perfectly said, Chris Landry. Perfectly said. And that's exactly what we've been talking about here for the last couple of days. So let me ask you, on that point, why such the disconnect? I know we talked about it before. Why the disconnect from school presidents and conference commissioners to athletic directors, coaches, and players, where clearly there is a big dividing rod, and I think that dividing rod goes right there in between. You know, I think ads for the most part, coaches, and players are pretty much in that same camp, but clearly the disconnect with presidents and conference commissioners here in these issues.
1: Well, like let's take the example of the Big Ten. Uh, all of the ads and coaches wanted to play. Now they they're going to say things. Some of them are making. You know uh, rebellatory, you know rebellious comments, and some are doing the political thing, but none of them are happy in fact, they are ticked off big time. These decisions again are made when it involves state institutions at the governor level, so you know it, Ohio, you got the state of Michigan's got two state universities there. This, this, You know, the presidents of the universities, they are selected by a board of regents which are appointed by governors. This is the layer of bureaucracy that takes place in college athletics. So this is not necessarily a president of a university saying, I don't want to play, but it is basically being dictated to by the people that appoint him that this is what we're going to do. So I think that's where the, you know, if there's a disconnect, that's where it is. I will say this, too, there are three presidents in the Big Ten that have either epidemiology or uh, research medical backgrounds. I'm sure they had a lot of sway in that room as well. I, I think mostly, most, I can't say all, but most medical people are going to you know, exercise with the Abundance of caution. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a combination of that. But, you know, if you look at it, players in the Big Ten wanted to play. Players in the Pac 12 wanted to play. Coaches, and I think athletic directors in the Pac 12 and the Big Ten wanted to play. I think the difference is that in Ohio, Minnesota, Michigan, there was big big governmental sway in those programs in you know, Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan, 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 that that had a lot of str- and even in Pennsylvania to some degree. So um, that had a lot to do with that and it's, and of course in the Pac-12 it's, uh, again, I that think it's mostly California based and th- that's most, that's where the lean is. The problem I've got that sticks in my craw big time is one of what I just talked about, that there's not any uniformity, but are you kidding me? So let me get this straight. Not safe to play football in the Big Ten. But it is safe to have a 20-hour practice week because they're going to be practicing. They're going to continue practices, I'm told. Right. Uh, they're going to have students on campus. Um, that's all safe, but playing the games, not safe. Uh, somebody's got to explain that to me, but on what planet does that make sense? To me, if you say, look, we're in a bad in state X, Y, Z, we're in bad shape. We're going to have virtual classes. We're not going to be on campus. Um, we're going to, we're shutting down all on-campus activity and and we're not playing. Well, you may not like it, but you at least understand where they're going. Well, what are they doing? They're not playing the football games, but they're going to practice. They're gonna. You you're telling me that the kids are gonna be safer now that they can go to frat parties or whatever they're allowed to do on campus? That doesn't make any sense. That that to me, it, we just you know, one side or the other. It, it just this this convoluted message doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. It's political. I, I I think it has a lot to do with that.
2: Absolutely, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com joins us here, and Chris, you know, from a player's perspective, we know that. It looks like maybe that the Big Ten, the Pac-12 players may have played their last games. Uh, Guys at UConn and others, they're done. Uh, How much say do you think players and coaches should have in this decision, especially considering the players have such a small window of opportunity in college athletics, and especially those gifted ones that are auditioning for the National
1: Football League? Well, I think they should be listened to. Now, I mean, if you listen to the Pac twelve players, they were on a conference call and man they said, Larry Scott, you could tell he was like he wasn't even listening. Like he went through the motions of okay, we're gonna talk with him, but you know, the line's made up and and it was just like there for his whatever amount of time and then he's off to something else. That you know, that shouldn't h I think he should listen. But I also think, you know, you have to make tough decisions if you're running a university. My, my my point would be, if you're running, if I'm the president or a chancellor running a university, if I don't think it's safe for my football players to play football games, how can I go to the student body and say, come on, send your tuition money and go to class? I, I mean... That doesn't make sense to me, and I understand there's threat of litigation. Player gets sick, God forbid, gets, you know, worse. Uh, a health issue, which I know the heart issue is a big, you know, look, I mean, this is serious. I got a heart condition. A, a cancer issue, so I'm taking this seriously. I don't go anywhere without a mask because, you know, i not good if I get it. But, no, I, I think that, I, I think there's a, a respect for this, but there's mixed messages. What are you saying to your student body if it's not safe to play football, but it's safe to come to campus? Send your money, full tuition. We want you, but it's <laughs> – what, what are you really saying? I, I don't that, – that doesn't jive with right. – and, and the decisions it, that are made,
2: and it seems like Chris too that you know we hear the, what Jim Harbaugh is saying, and we heard what Nick Saban is saying. Where with Sabin saying, you know, hey, these kids are going to be a lot safer here on our campus if we send them back, you know, to their hometowns uh, where they could contract COVID a lot easier than here. And then you know Harbaugh gave us some numbers: three hundred fifty-three of the last tests that that his football players have taken have all come back negative. I mean, and he said, we've got a great environment here. So again, I'm, I'm with you, you know, you know, take the approach of, okay, let's, let's, let's move forward until we can, we have to stop and that sort of thing. But you're right. It's. Hiper- uh There's a bunch of hypocrites here in college football if you were sending us this message, what you were talking about right there. And that's exactly what yeah. we're getting. That is the frustrating part. And I've said the exact same thing. It's like when we y- you leave it upon each conference or each state or each governor, uh, no, it doesn't make sense. And how in the world can we expect to have a national champion crowned if three of the Power Fives are going to play and then the Big 12 uh, I'm sorry, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to say, well, we're going to play in the spring. There's still no guarantee they're going to play in the spring. I'm not even sure if they really want to play football, but how right. anticlimactic is that going to be and what's the incentive for those conferences to play if we have college football just about every Saturday in the fall?
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's any chance that they're playing in the spring. i am I, I, be honest with you. I, I think that's all about, you know, um, You know, and I'm sure everybody's got their policy. Uh, If you want your refund of the money, you know, you've got to give it to them. But I think they're trying to hold on to that money as long as possible. So if they throw out the carrot of, hey, look, we'll join us in the spring they 're not going to play in the spring, and then I mean, is it going to be better in the spring or worse and first of all you 're going to ruin next football season by playing in the spring for the guys that are going to first of all, the guys that are going to be eligible for the draft that are that they 're not going to play in the spring, and the guys that are not eligible for the draft they 're not going to finish their football season in May and turn around in August and be back you can 't do that that 's not how football works that's you need the, the the rest period of the body and the development. So no, to me, spring football does not work. It's a dumb idea. Now I will say this: if you start it mid-October and finished the season, let's say mid to late February, that's doable. I mean, that's you know, that's just pushing it back. But starting it in January and finishing in May, no, that, yeah. that 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 does not work because it you know it eliminates your next. Well, it it, it doesn't. It just takes the next season and it makes it a big, big problem and it creates tremendous opportunity for injuries much more than normal.
2: We've heard Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban we just mentioned, Jim Harbaugh, really banging the drum about playing here. You know, coaches are the closest ones to – the daily activities of their team here, and also the, the highest paid too. Let's remember that, okay? With the university level, should coaches have a louder voice, and should they be involved in these decision-making process of potentially shutting down a season? Should not we be listening to the coaches here?
1: Well, yeah, but you know, like anything else, I think they they should have a voice. It's like the players should have a voice; coaches should have maybe a bigger voice, and I think in certain. University. Some coaches have a little bit more stroke than others. I mean, I guarantee you that um, <laughs> when Nick Saban and the president of the university meet, the president comes to visit Nick. You know, it's on <laughs> right, Nick's schedule. Right. Do, do you have time for me? I can fit you between six and six fifteen. Get on over here. Don't be late. You know, what I mean? yeah. It's, Nick is hosting but, the dinner. Let's be clear. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. So, but I mean, I, I, look, I don't expect the coaches to have the final say i i just think that the again i'm going to stress this this is this is in many ways above the presidents and i know it's kind of labeled that way but the presidents make the vote but it is very much like you know like congress works it's it's like you know when the governor controls your seat your position your funding as a state university you're gonna do what he tells you to do, and you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna buck that. And that's where it is in reality. And I don't know that a you've got some of these presidents that don't have the 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 same vision for what athletics could be. And I've always had a, a, a really good uh, a chancellors. I always thought. They looked at college athletics and football as the front porch of your, of your university. It's not the most important thing. It's not the biggest reason why they're there. But it's the thing that brings you there, and it brings a lot of money. And I think that not everybody sees that equally, and that leads to a lot of problems and a lot of disconnect.
2: You got it. All right, Chris, we appreciate it, my friend. I want to have you back on. Right, we, can t- we, we can talk about what this does to the NFL draft as well, too. Go follow them, LandryFootball.com. You can see the podcast. You can get everything there, all of your information. At LandryFootball.com. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. All right, Chris Landry joins us. I thank him. I want to thank Trevor Maddich as well too. The Quake, you pressed all the right buttons today. Good job, as usual. All right, right back at it again tomorrow. The big seven footer joins us tomorrow as the NBA playoffs actually start. You miss any part of this show? Go check it out at the website at TCMartinShow.com and of course. Always available on the podcast there or any platform, Spotify, etc. Have yourself a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.